You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 260 of Podcateers. This week, Gavin gives us his thoughts on visiting Galaxy's Edge. We talk about his experiences and how they may have been different than mine and Melissa's. Plus, we talk about parades at Disneyland. Do you know which parade is considered to be the worst parade in Disney's history? Well, we tell you in this episode. Remember that you can share your thoughts and join the conversation on any of our social networks. Just search for Podcateers on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. You can also leave a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 260. I posted a set of videos which include some of the parades that we've posted to our YouTube channel, including the worst one in Disney history. So make sure to check the blog post after you're done listening to the episode. A huge thank you as always goes out to the FGP squad for helping make these episodes of Podcateers possible through their support via Patreon. This month, we're going to start giving back to the FGP squad with some special giveaways, special live streams, and more. If you would like more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad, head over to podcateers.com FGP for more information. And again, to all of the members of the FGP squad, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you'd like to help out the podcast, but you just can't join the FGP squad right now, that's okay. We have a really great way for you to help us out. The next time that you need to buy something on Amazon, start by going to podcateers.com Amazon and hit the big Amazon button that you see on that page. It'll take you to Amazon's page using our special referral link and anything that you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon because we're mentioning them on the podcast right now. That's what I'm doing right now. And they're like, oh, hey, whoa, Hazen, thanks for mentioning us. If somebody comes to our page because you said, hey, use our page, we'll give you a little kickback as a commission for sending people over so to everybody that is taking a moment to use our amazon link thank you so much it certainly helps and we appreciate you taking the time to do that so what do you guys think it's time to jump into the episode i think so too let's do this here we go this is episode 260 of podcateers Are we live? I think we so. Are live. Is, this, is this recording? Yep. Man, this heat wave <laughs> is not fun. It isn't. <laughs> What's worse is that I, I feel like, I don't know if you guys can hear them, but there's a, a bunch of crickets outside hmm. that are just going nuts because of the heat. And I, I, I mean, I, I just want them away from here. <laughs> I don't care what they do. I just don't want them near me. So do you think they're making happy noises or sad noises? I don't know. I think what they're doing <laughs> is in cricket, whatever their language is, like cricket chirp, uh-huh. they're saying, it's so hot, it's so hot, it's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, all right. Because if they could talk... They would say, when you wish upon a star, we would wish for an air conditioner. Right? Yeah. Because it's just so hot. And it's not even officially summer yet. I think that's what bothers me the most, Mm. that we hit just about 100 degrees here. Are you serious? And it was, yeah, we hit about 100 degrees. It was nasty humid. And, ew. 
Yeah, it's the yeah. humidity. It's ugh. That's the worst part. I'd rather just have heat. Yeah. We were at Knott's Berry Farm this weekend, and it was nasty humid. (laughs) It was just unbearable. We we didn't really feel like standing in line, but, I mean, it it was fun. You know, I kind of like Knott's Berry Farm because it, I feel like it has a lot of really good photo ops, you know, especially in the ghost town area. It's very very good for photo ops uh everything else is kind of hit or miss you know but yeah. uh overall uh i think it's good we tried to do some indoor stuff like that what was it called the the kraken nautilus oh attraction? voyage of, was it called? Uh, voyage to the iron reef ah yes that <laughs> uh, it was um was strange because you know the, it, it's a a 3d ride simulation very similar to Toy Story Mania, oh. but the way that the 3D functioned, I, I mean, I don't have issues with 3D. I, I tend to be able to play them really well and I have fun, but for some odd reason, my right eye kept blacking out on me during the attraction and I didn't know why. And halfway through, I thought, Forget about these glasses. And I just took them off. Yep. I was just playing without. <laughs> that was pretty much it for me, too. I'm like, I can't. And I was telling you the astigmatism. It just doesn't work. Huh. So I was like, forget this. And I just kept playing. I kept shooting. I'm like, I could still see. It's fine. <laughs> I got points. Yeah, it was it was super strange. Yeah, I, I was playing with two guns because <laughs> it, it was, there was three of us. And it has like four seats that you can sit in. I mean, it, it was okay. I think if I didn't have the problems with the 3D, I would have enjoyed it a little bit yeah. more. But overall, eh. <laughs> you know, good try. Eh. Good try. Also, I guess now formally known as Bigfoot Rapids is now Calico River Rapids at Knott's Berry Farm. They just recently redid it with a whole bunch of new animatronics and some effects. And it was interesting because uh, I was reading an article where they were talking to the guy in charge of Knott's Berry Farm. I forgot his name. I should have written it down. But he was talking about how the the rebrand of the attraction was inspired by Mark Davis. Hmm. That a lot of the types of gags and the way that they set up a lot of the, the new animatronics was inspired by the way that Mark Davis would create gags for the attractions that he would design for. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I also felt that they didn't get <laughs> close. And, and look, I, I have nothing against Knott's Berry Farm. I'm not trying to speak ill of it. I actually like Knott's Berry Farm. I, I actually like it a lot. And it may not sound like that because of what I'm saying, <laughs> but um, I mean, it just... <laughs> I don't know. I think it's lacking a couple more things. Like even the Bigfoot that they added to the attraction, I think is is lacking a little bit. But there's only so much you can do with these rapids that already exist. You know, they're not going to redo the entire attraction. So they did what they could. And I think from where it was to, you know, to to have from having an attraction that was branded as Bigfoot Rapids Mm -hmm. and it didn't even have a Bigfoot in it. Right. You know, and now finally having something that symbolizes that. And, of course, they changed the name. <laughs> I think it's a lot better than it used to be. Nice. So I, I will give them that. But overall, uh, it was fun. It was humid. It, we, we had some great chicken. 
You know, I happened <laughs> yeah. to bump into Tony Baxter and Tom Morris. And, you know, I mean, oh we went home gosh. after that. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. What the heck were they hanging out there for? That's crazy. It's getting some chicken, man. Oh, is that I told it? you already. <laughs> when you're outside of the confines of Plaza Inn, you got to go to Mrs. Knott's for the chicken. Mm, I see. I see. It's what you got to do. So, wait. I want to I ask some questions about the animatronics. I didn't know they had, like, a lot of animatronic things at Knott's. Oh, yeah. I didn't think they were that fully themed there, but it's been probably 30 years since I've been. So, like, if we just think of the theme park slash amusement parks in SoCal, like Disneyland, obviously, Universal, Magic Mountain, and Knott's Berry Farm, like, do they all have... I know Universal has a lot of animatronics, but, like, do the other... Does Magic Mountain have animatronics? Not to my knowledge. They're just roller coasters pretty much, right? I think Magic Mountain might finally have animatronics in the Justice League uh, attraction oh. or the, the roller coaster that they have because they finally added like, I don't know which ones exist, but I remember talking about this some time ago where they finally kind of revamped that area and they added some kind of, you know, mm. I, I don't know if they're just statues or actual animatronics, but it's been a long time since I've been to Magic Mountain. So I, mm. I, that's the best I could say about it. I would assume that Magic Mountain is the cheapest ticket price, right? Out of all four of those? Um, with a Coke can, you can pretty much get in for like 72 cents. Dang, <laughs> that's a bargain. <laughs> I, it just, uh, I just wonder if... I think so. I just wonder if having animatronics and theming, you know, ups the operating cost so much that, you know, maybe that's why other parks in the vicinity of Disney don't necessarily pursue that track interesting i don't know just a thought that occurred to me when you talked about animatronics so uh, i did a quick google search on my phone and apparently it looks like there is a joker animatronic in the justice league dark ride Ah. okay yeah so they do have it's in the battle for metropolis attraction so, yeah, I guess they, they have begun to step it up, and they finally started adding animatronics. Nice. That's a step I mean, up. you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right? you got to start somewhere. That's... <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so much to talk about this week. Um, you know, last week, Gavin wasn't here, and we talked about Galaxy's Edge, so we're just going to move on from that. <laughs> I'm sure Gavin has nothing to say about visiting Batu. Yeah, I mean, there's th- words can't describe it anyway, so what's the point, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mel and I gave our thoughts on what we felt and what we saw that day. You know, fill us in on how you felt as we were walking from the Hungry Bear into Batu for the first time. Sure. You know, it, it was overwhelmingly Im- impressive. And that held true from the first moment to the last moment. And I am so impressed by what the... Imagineers and all the cast members and all the, you know, people in construction and rock texturing and everything like it's this incredible collaborative work and they created a a land that allows you to escape probably more than any other land that precedes it. And they just did such an effective job with it. I I was so impressed. And You know, there was a moment, I think we were only there maybe an hour at this point, and I turned to you and I said, 
I've got sensory overload right now. Like, I don't even know what to feel. And you said, I feel the same. And that wasn't an hour, dude. That was 15 was minutes. It? It was it? I <laughs> yeah. knew it was early. And I, it, it's cool because what that tells me is there's so much to go back again and again for, you know. And that's what's going to keep people coming to not only Disneyland, but to Galaxy's Edge itself. Because I feel like even with four hours and with really, I explored quite a bit, but I don't feel like I even scratched the surface because there's so much nuance and so much story and so many little nooks and crannies and interesting angles to see things from that I will be exploring it for years. And I'm sure everybody feels that way. It's, it's truly magnificent. And then there's the attraction, Smuggler's Run. <laughs> oh, boy. I yeah. am currently addicted. It is my new addiction. I can't wait till June 24th when I can hop right back in that single rider line, uh, which I did put to great use during our little four-hour preview. I actually got on the attraction a total of nine times. So, Dude. <laughs> So that's, I rode, I think, four times. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I feel like part of that was a little bit because we had the very last slot of the night. So that last hour, maybe two hours, we weren't overlapping with anybody else, any other group of reservations, right? So we were the last group in there. And not everybody stayed until midnight. You could definitely tell that people started clearing out before then. So I think four of my times were within the last 30 minutes. I was... Quite nice. literally oh, wow. walking up the single rider line, which actually puts you right where you board, basically, uh, and right onto the ship. So it was really cool. And because of that, I got to try all of the different roles. I uh, pretty much got to try all of them from both sides. Um, I prefer piloting from the left side, even though you don't get to do the jump to hyperspace. Uh, and when gunning, I will tell you this, I prefer going manual over automatic. So if you're riding uh, Smuggler's Run and you get the gunner position and you like a little more of a challenge, switch it to manual and you'll have a little more to do while you're on your little mission. It's really fun. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that being said, uh, that was the highlight for me. I snarfed down a little snack at one of the places in the little marketplace there. It was delicious. I don't remember what it was called. It was there at Ronto Roasters. Um, other than that, I really just kind of smuggled and ran. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to go back. I can't wait for Rise of the Resistance because if if Smuggler's Run is their like minor attraction, right. oh boy, <laughs> I can't right. even I know. imagine. So yeah, uh, I give it two thumbs enthusiastically up. And if I had a thousand thumbs, they would all be up. <laughs> that would just look absolutely strange. It would probably look like the Wreck-It Ralph from Ralph Breaks the Internet. Just a bunch of thumbs well, making oh, up a giant Gavin. And that reminds me. <laughs> yes, I would look weird. But I would look like I belonged if I was in the cantina, which I didn't speak about the cantina. Holy oh, yeah. cow. That Okay, so of course the Millennium Falcon makes you feel the most like Star Wars. But a very close second is stepping into the cantina 
that is the most realistic Star Wars experience they could have made. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. I'm a huge fan of it, and I can't wait to go back there either. I, I get what you're saying about the four hours, though. I don't know if I mentioned it in the last episode, but I did uh, feel that the four hours just wasn't enough. And I remember asking people before we went into the land, hey, do you feel like the four hours was good? And many of them said yes. But I feel that those people had different expectations as far as what they wanted to do when they walked into the land. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to to vlog and take pictures and do all sorts of stuff that... I couldn't do for the most part for a couple of reasons. One, Samsung, I don't know what side list you're on right now, but dude, you are, oh, you're just making me so angry. Long story short, they upgraded to Android Pie recently, and for some reason they got rid of the manual settings in my camera. So literally the one reason I bought my phone is the one thing I cannot do with it now. Oh, Yeah, and so that's why the day that I was trying to record, I kept having so many issues thinking, like, what's going on? I kept fidgeting with my phone, and after a while, you know, it was just harsh. I I got frustrated. And so then we walk in, and that frustration turned to awe. I mean, everything that we saw was just impeccably done. And we didn't even get a chance to explore the other half where Rise of the Resistance is going to be. And because it was so late in the evening, we didn't even get a chance to see some of the shows and some of the experiences that tend to happen during the day. For instance, hooking up with V. Marathi and then walking around trying to go on this adventure with her. Seeing Kylo Ren, you know, seeing the stormtroopers walk around. Like, I, I kind of wanted to get swept up by the troopers, man. And it didn't happen. <laughs> and I was a little upset about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but, yes, the cantina, super cool. Uh, we had some ribs and a giant chicken McNugget uh, at <laughs> Docking Bay 9. I forgot what they're called. I'll put seven, them in the blog post. Docking but... Bay 7. Docking seven, Bay 7, yeah. yes. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but I had the ribs. It was pretty good. My wife had the big chicken McNugget and, you know, by itself, it just tasted like a chicken McNugget. But when you ate it all together, it tasted like chicken pot pie, which was actually really Ah. tasty. Yeah. And then our friend Jill was with us that day and she had a pot roast, which was so tasty. I actually feel like I enjoy tasting that one more than the ribs. Hmm. But overall, I think all of them were just very good. Uh, I wanted to go do some of the experiences that we didn't get get a chance to do. I wanted to walk into the shop, not make a lightsaber because it's, I mean, it's $200, right? Yeah. Um, but I did want to walk into the shop. I wanted to take some photos and uh, maybe buy a couple of kyber crystals just to have them because you never know when I'm going to make my own holocron. What if I put a kyber crystal inside of my sonic screwdriver? Like, what would that do to it? You know, like you just have to experiment sometimes and you just have to see what comes (laughs) when you try to mesh these technologies. Like a long time ago when I decided that I wanted to integrate Jarvis into the TARDIS. Hmm. Like imagine having Jarvis in the TARDIS and then having a Kyber crystal in the Sonic. I mean, oh, I'm like sweating just thinking about it. I'm kind of excited, actually. Anyhow, um, yeah, but we have one more opportunity to go back and... I, I'm just looking forward to it because now it's going to be a daytime reservation and hopefully, you know, I get a chance to take more photos and 
I'll figure something out for the video because I do want to post some kind of video for for the listeners on the YouTube channel or the viewers on the YouTube channel. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of YouTube, the week that this episode launches, I will be posting Mickey's Mix Magic on the YouTube channel. So if you never got a chance to see it or you just miss it so much because it's so darn adorable it is. Uh, head over to <laughs> youtube.com slash podcasters and check out mickey's mix magic i i find myself whistling that song a lot during the day and i just can't get enough of it i enjoyed it so much more than i was expecting to <laughs> and i i seriously cannot get enough of it i just i want to see it back soon not that i don't love disneyland forever but oh man i love me some mickey's mix magic so it is coming remixes. back I think so. Huh. Okay. I think so. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I saw somebody post on Twitter that uh, – I'm trying to remember who posted it. But uh, I saw a post on Twitter that said um, that when Disneyland Forever couldn't go on because of the high winds, they played Mickey's Mixed Magic for hmm. some odd reason. Well, because you oh, don't wow. need pyro for it. Yeah, but you also don't need pyro for the projections of Disneyland Forever. So why don't they just do the projections for Forever? True. Because yeah, Mickey's Mixed Magic mean? is better. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> look. It's time to throw down. I mean, those feel like fighting words. <laughs> well, it is upbeat. And you're not left oh, like, is, wanting definitely. to cry. Because <laughs> emotions. It, it certainly is. <laughs> I mean, it, it's two different emotions that it evokes, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I think I've made it clear how I feel about Let It Go, right? I think I've, I've never been a huge, huge fan of it, but I think I respect it for what it is. And I think I've liked Frozen a lot more now that I've kind of, now that we're kind of in that lull of not being bombarded by Frozen and Elsa yeah. and Anna 24-7, right? Mm-hmm. But You've got about four I more months. I hate to say it, but... Yeah, (laughs) until we get a brand new Let It Go for whatever the title (laughs) song is for that film. But I got to tell you, that's that's probably my second favorite scene in Mickey's Mix Magic. Right? I think it's just so well done. And the way that they sync the snowflake effects with the pyro and the castle. And I mean, people that have seen it would probably say like, well, what about the Haunted Mansion scene? It's kind of better than the Haunted Mansion scene. I hate to say it. But it is. Yeah, the Haunted Mansion scene kind of felt like it had been done a little bit before. Yeah. Yeah. It it felt derivative of other stuff that we've seen. But more importantly, I was disappointed by how lackluster it was. So overall, I love Mickey's Mixed Magic. If you haven't had a chance to see it, again, youtube.com slash podcasters. Go check it out. If it's not there by the time this episode launches, it will be there this week. So make sure to ring that little bell icon for notifications for whenever we post brand new videos. And that way, YouTube actually tells you when we post new videos because apparently subscribing just isn't enough anymore. That's what you got to do. Ring the little bell. Be like, subscribe, subscribe. That's how you do it. <laughs> um, oh, dude, by the way. Blue milk and green milk? Yeah. Not a fan. Oh, did you try both? I tried both. Ooh. It, and, and I'm not saying this because I endorsed this, so kids, please do not go do this to compare it to blue and green milk. But, dude, it tastes like biting a Tide Pod. Whoa! And I disagree. I mean, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it tasted like laundry detergent or downy or something. I just... I don't know. It just—it was too floral. Hmm. It—it just. So you're talking about the green it one. Tasted 
both of really? them. Really? I heard the blue one was blue Raz. I, I love the no. blue one, whatever no. that was. It wasn't raspberry, but it was good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, blue Raz one isn't was... raspberry. It's like some oh. made up flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's blue flavor. Yeah, the flavor of bright blue. <laughs> <laughs> it was um like the blue one was floral and the green one was extra floral oh i could so agree with the green just, one <laughs> huh. it, i don't know maybe my taste buds were just not into it that day but i, I was not a fan i mean I, I was also for some reason expecting like a boba tea consistency uh, like an actual tea yeah. and i ended up getting a slushy yeah and i thought this is not what i ordered i wanted blue milk i wanted like blue milk tea or something hmm. uh-huh. and I, maybe that's why i felt so disappointed with it but mm, yeah. i'll give it another shot and then if that one disappoints me i probably won't get it again Oh, and for all of you that are jonesing for Galaxy's Edge on the East Coast, it has officially been announced that August 29th will be the opening of Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World. So it's coming. I don't know exactly when Rise of the Resistance is going to open here. I'm thinking maybe a few months after. Mm -hmm. But, man, Smuggler's Run. It's just a giant video game, dude. It's so good. To write it during the day. Getting to write it during the day, I think, is going to be exciting because yeah. during the day you get different scenes than the ones that you do at night. Oh, really? I knew that yes. you yeah. saw everything at daylight when you left, but it, it's a different mission? It, uh, yeah, you get to land in Batu during the day right? if you're doing it during the day. Yeah. So, And then uh, I don't know if it's a whole different mission, oh, okay. but I know that some of the scenes are supposed to be different. Sweet. Well, doing uh, it nine and- times, I got a pretty big variety of things that happened. So, nice. oh, did oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I had one mission that went really well and got something <laughs> cool, Uh-oh. and then one mission that went really bad. <laughs> the for the one that went really bad, were all the red lights flashing when you yes. when you were leaving? Yes, <gasps> I want to experience. It was bad. That. <laughs> uh, I thought we were gonna get to that point in one of the last flights that we made. Uh-huh. Because the kids were driving. And so I figured, okay, this is not going to go well. But you know what? Let them do it. They're they're just going to have some fun here. And we crashed a lot. (laughs) A a lot. And Same. I mean, when I say a lot, (laughs) like talk about hunk of junk, dude, at the end. And we didn't red light. Nice. Nice. I was surprised that we didn't red light. Yeah, we got, was... like, trash-talked by the cast member. <laughs> That's <laughs> he awesome. He was like, so many repairs. We're taking this out of your cut. This is not acceptable. It was great. That is so good. Yeah. I love it. I didn't expect piloting to be so difficult. Oh, Can't... yeah. If oh, they made God. it really sensitive. easy, then I don't know that everybody yeah. would come back as much, you know? Like, it's not so hard that people get totally discouraged, but it's not so easy that there's enough of a challenge that'll keep people coming back to get a better score. Yeah. There is certainly a sweet spot when you're you're on the levers, Mm -hmm. where if you go too far, you're basically going to crash into whatever direction you go in. But if you kind of keep it within a few degrees of the middle you tend to be able to control it a lot better. But I think because of the excitement of everything that's going on (laughs) around you and you're kind of half fighting with the person that's piloting uh, next to you, they're like, no, go up, no, go left, go up, go down, (laughs) hit hyperspeed. (laughs) Uh, It's just one of those things where 
I think the more that people play it, I'm sure that there's going to be leagues of people that create their teams of six Mm -hmm. and try to score more than others. And if that's not a thing, boom, you heard it here first. That's going to be a thing because I know people are going to be challenging each other to see who can score more and grab more dough for Hondo. Right. Yeah. (laughs) uh, We didn't even talk about that animatronic. I mean, come on. I know. Unbelievably good. So good. Yeah. That animatronic is actually second as far as complexity only to the Navi Shaman in Pandora. Okay. I mean, just the fact that it's so natural and then it also like turns around and does something else on a computer console and then turns back. I mean, come on. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, these are getting so good. I love it. And, you know, you, I, I think you have a lot more liberty when you create an animatronic like the Shaman and like Hondo, unlike uh, Abraham Lincoln, right? right? Because if the eyes aren't squishy, it doesn't look that real, <laughs> regardless of how eyes. everything else is. They got to look squishy, <laughs> dude. They look too hard. They're too glassy. They look dead, dude. But with these characters... It's not something that you're used to seeing every day. So your brain is tricked into thinking that it's completely alive. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's just so well done. I commend everyone at Imagineering and maybe even Garner Holt for the technology. Uh, I don't know exactly where Honda was created. I'm going to have to research that a little bit more. But uh, I love it. Super cool. So do we know at Disney World, are they going to do a period of reservations? Do we know if they're doing that? Um, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I would assume that they're going to do it because I feel that this went really well for them. Mm-hmm. I think overall Disney has learned a lot from the opening of other areas. Like they, they learned a lot from the opening of Pandora. They learned a lot from the opening of Toy Story Land. Yeah. And obviously they've been observing how things have gone for other theme parks. For instance, we talked about when Hogsmeade opened, they did something very similar to this. Uh, the the only difference was that for Hogsmeade, I remember we were getting a time slot the day of, not an email in advance mm. type situation. And I don't know if we talked about this last week, Mel, but did we talk about how deserted the park was? We did. We did slightly yeah, talk we about did. that. Um, but, you know, I mentioned it last week, Gavin. You were like spot on, dude. Like people were just so afraid yeah. to go to the park that Disney was overly effective in the marketing and the scare tactic of the reservations and maybe scare tactic is the wrong way to say it but i mean people just didn't show up yeah the longest the longest wait time was peter pan yes to no one's surprise <laughs> well, not yeah, even 30 but, minutes <laughs> i know it was it was crazy because the week leading up to it, I mean, there was so much chatter about parking was going to be a nightmare. Like people were mm-hmm. like ringing me up asking if they could park at my apartment when they came down because they were like freaked oh, out wow. that they couldn't get wow. into Mickey and Friends, right? And none of that. And I didn't really get it because, especially during the reservation time, because only so many people could get reservations. Right. So the floodgates weren't opening. So I didn't get why people were freaking out. And I really didn't get why the park was so empty because the crowds weren't going to be there for Star Wars yet. That won't happen until later this month. That is going to be the real test to see if when they truly 
open the floodgates, how many other people are going to come? You know, that's going to be the test. I don't even feel like there was that much of an impact because of who was blocked out on the passes. Right. Yeah. Because there was only SoCal Select and cast members are currently blocked out until August. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to believe that blocking out cast members was going to take that much of a hit, you know, as far as attendance is concerned. So it had to have been what you were talking about, that people were just too afraid of the parking and how crazy it was going to be. And, you know, maybe they felt that people were going to go to try to sneak a peek. You know, maybe they could be on a wait list or something, you know, because someone didn't show up which that's not how it worked at all. But I don't know. You're right. The test is going to be when it officially opens. But I'm, I'm prepared. I want to go yeah. I don't, that opening weekend. I was going to say, too. I don't think it's going to be that bad because Deluxe is still blocked out until oh. August. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. Jerry's blocked out. So they're and this year they're doing though they're doing the park specific thing right so that some people are oh, might right. be blocked out for Disneyland but aren't for DCA right uh, so yes. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out too um, I know that for my money um, when I go with Charlie we spend a majority of our time in DCA because she prefers DCA um, so I'll get to compare and contrast quite a bit I think. Interesting. Uh, You know what? Since we're on the topic of when people can go and when they can't go, Mm -hmm. a friend of the show, Alex, posted on one of the episode posts uh, on our Facebook page. She said, uh, so you've probably already found this out, but the Flex Pass uh, is the new pass that they're trying out. All the information that we talked about was pretty spot on. The only correction would be that only flex passes need reservations. So remember we were talking about and I was a little confused about if somebody went that wasn't on a flex pass, can they reserve with somebody that was on the flex pass? That is not the case. The reservations are only for flex pass because any other pass is basically open to go whenever they want to go as long as you're not blocked out for the day Ah. Uh, she says that it's a for family or friends who are linked to one app and also have flex she says it's super complicated (laughs) but if we have any further questions we can definitely ask her because she works with these daily oh yeah Uh, so thank you alex for commenting on that and filling us in a little bit more as far as how flex works because that was one thing that i was confused about like if you were going with a group that was all on flex and you were the only one with you know i don't know deluxe or premium were you on their reservation and if not were they just gonna leave you outside which would be weird because technically i guess you could get in if you have one of those passes i don't know that's why she says it's super complicated (laughs) but it is what it is Uh... so again thank you very much If any of you listening ever have any comments or questions on anything that we talk about, remember you can join the conversation by leaving a comment over on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, or on the blog post for this episode over at podcateers.com slash 260. On any of the social networks, obviously search for podcateers, P-O-D-K-E-T-E-E-R-S. People tend to make a mistake and add an A in there, and there's no A. No. It's an E. Just want to clear that up. (laughs) Because, you know, that's a thing that happens. All right. Well, I, I, as much as I want to keep talking about Galaxy's Edge and how amazing <laughs> it is, I think we should jump into this week's topic. 
We can talk a little bit about that, and then that way, if you guys have any questions about this week's topic, which is parades, you know, we can get (laughs) into that a little bit because parades are awesome, yo. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, to start, I I do want to say that there's many parades around all the Disney parks around the world, and although I would want to get into a lot of them because some of them are pretty awesome, uh, we'll save parades from other resorts for a future episode. Right now, I'll be talking about parades centric to Disneyland proper, even if they didn't originate there. Is that cool? Cool. That is so cool. Awesome. Okay, so uh, again, personally, I love parades, especially at Disneyland. Um, They're a huge part of the park-going experience, and... Uh, I kind of can't get enough of them sometimes, especially if it's one that I'm absolutely fond of. Uh, Parades can be super boring (laughs) when they're not done right. Yeah. And I feel like they're sometimes they they just feel sometimes that they're just never going to end. And yet Disney has found this formula that works in creating an unforgettable experience while not making you feel that you're watching for 17 hours. You know, and and that's part of the magic. Uh, In many cases, the songs are upbeat, they're catchy, they feature great choreography, and they feature some of the largest pieces of moving art anywhere. Yeah. That's right. We're talking about them floats. Creating something that has to be driven through the parks is something truly special. Uh, Add on top of that the dancers that have to learn their routines, the creative costume department producing wardrobe for these shows, the Disneyland music department mixing the audio, and not to mention the work that Imagineers have to do when new technologies are involved. Putting on a parade is no easy task, and yet they've been a part of the fabric of the Disney experience far beyond the opening of Disneyland. You see, the Walt Disney Company's involvement with parades actually dates back to the early 1930s. Really? Yeah. In fact, let's take a quick step back and let's talk about one of the most well-known parades of all time, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, nice. You see, in Ah. 1924, the retail store Macy's put on a parade that would run, eh, I would say, about six miles from Harlem, and then it would end at the Macy's store in New York. The parade, known then as Macy's Christmas Parade, was a massive hit, and due to its popularity, it was certainly scheduled to return. That same year, things were already on an upswing for a struggling Walt Disney, because just a year before, he penned a deal that Disney legend and chief archivist Dave Smith once coined as the most important document in the history of the Walt Disney Company. That document was a contract to make a series of Alice comedies that would essentially kick off the Disney studio. In 1934, the Disney company was definitely prospering, and the Macy's Parade had already been renamed to the Macy's Santa Claus Parade, a name which, oddly enough, would only last a year before it became what we know it as today, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, But that year was special to Disney fans because that's when the first Mickey Mouse balloon graced the skylines of New York during the televised spectacle. Nice. Since then, Donald Duck, Kermit the Frog, Goofy, Buzz Lightyear, and Olaf, among other Disney characters, have been featured in this parade. I gotta say, that Buzz Lightyear balloon... They actually had at the expo like two expos ago. Yes, in 2015. Yeah. I 
I don't know what it is, but that gave me such a thrill to see. Walking underneath that balloon was just amazing. I couldn't believe yeah. it was there. That was one of the coolest things they ever brought to the expo. I agree. Just walking up to that door and just seeing it from oh, far away yes. from across the street. You just saw this huge balloon. <laughs> so cool. I get how people feel about it when they're watching it in person and it's part of the yeah. entire parade route. I always wanted to be in it. one of those like... I don't know, like eight-story windows where they're floating right by you. <laughs> That'd be so cool. And you see like a bike eyeball yes. just like float by you. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so along with those characters, I mean, there was others, you know, like Chicken Little and stuff. There's been four versions of Mickey Mouse in the parade as well. Um, on Disneyland's opening day, The inaugural Main Street Parade was broadcast during the Dateline Disneyland television special. At the helm was the United States Marine Corps band playing National Emblem March. And it included some of Hollywood's who's who as names like Fez Parker, well known for his role as Davy Crockett, and Buddy Ebsen followed the USMC band traveling on horseback. Guests saw all 24 of the original Mouseketeers performing a musical production number. Costume characters made their debut, and it even featured segments that would highlight each land of the park. My personal favorite was seeing the Autopia cars driving down the street. <laughs> yep. Nice. And, if, and yes. if lore has any truth to it, apparently they also raced them down Main Street. That would be rad. I just want to <laughs> say that. It was, it was a worthy fanfare, really, for what would pretty much become a daily tradition. Fairly daily. Since opening day, Disneyland has had more parades than years that it has been open, with close to 75 parades and cavalcades marching through the park and down Main Street. Wow. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> when I was researching like, this. <laughs> when I was researching this, I was like, okay, cool. So you got Soundational, you got Main Street Electrical Parade, you got Pixar Play, you got Paint the Night, and oh, whoa, there's like 68 or 69 others. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, that's insane. Um, so the parades were generally created to celebrate some kind of milestone, you know, to promote a new film or television program uh, or even a new attraction that was opening. Disney has even mastered the ancient art of the pre-parade, you know, the parade before the parade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that at some point we're also going to get a post parade. And maybe they'll have commentary like on sports shows. And it's like, and as you see the float come by, you see the Maleficent dragon. Well, there goes the fire. (laughs) Excellent execution from Maleficent. (laughs) So, you know, post parade. I'm just saying. You heard it here first. (laughs) Uh, So let's jump into the list of parades roughly by the decade that they're in. Uh, I won't get into complete details about each parade right now, um, but I I will give additional information as it comes along that I think is more important to know as, you know, some of these were one-offs and stuff like that. So the first five years of Disneyland brought us seven parades. They were, of course, the opening day parade, Mickey Mouse Club Circus Parade, the Antique Automobile Parade, The Parade of Many Lands, also known as Christmas in Many Lands. The Zorro Days Parade. The Columbia Grand Opening Day Parade. And Disneyland 59 Parade. I think it was interesting to see that there was uh, 
the the auto one. Yeah. Right? The fact that they were really showcasing like organizations and these other things that weren't necessarily Disney. Right. Uh, I thought was super interesting. But I guess when you first start and you don't really know what you're doing, there's the common parade that you're tar- trying to emulate as you're trying to create your own version of it. Right. And I think these were the stepping stones to what eventually became what is known as a Disney parade, really. Well, also for the first three or four decades, sponsorships paid for almost every operation in the park. Right. So that would include entertainment. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was perhaps sponsored by a car company or who knows what I, I. I would yeah. also imagine that Bob Gurr may have had some influence on that. Oh, some persuasion in that. Uh, he's like, you know what we need, Walt? <laughs> More cars. We need a car parade. <laughs> uh, um, so in the 1960s, we had 10 parades. And some ran in conjunction with, with others. So they were kind of semi-interchangeable. But by 1966, they weren't really holding parades as often as we see them now. As a matter of fact, between then and the early 70s, it was kind of rare to see a parade unless it was a holiday or some kind of promotional event. Hmm. And the parades during that time frame were the Parade of Toys, Mickey at the Movies, the Tencennial Parade, Fantasy on Parade, it's a Small World Grand Opening Parade, the Love Bug Parade, and kind of <laughs> scattered in between those. Yeah, and kind of scattered in between those. They had these little one-off for holidays. Uh, the only one that really came back was the Easter one, but they had a Valentine's Day Parade, a St. Patrick's Day Parade, and a Cinco de Mayo Parade. Whoa, Whoa that's <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to see a Valentine's Parade where all the Disney couples come down the street. That would <gasps> yeah. be kind of super cute. That would be cute. Yeah, even if it's more of a cavalcade instead of a parade. Yeah. yeah. You know, by the 1970s, uh, we had 11 more parades. And it was then when we began to see the character parades on a more regular basis. But it was really in 1972 when Disneyland presented the Main Street Electrical Parade that the parade experience really made an impact on people. It's one of only a couple of parades that ran through the 80s during this decade. Among the parades in the 70s, we saw uh, a bunch of character parades, which I just talked about. I don't know exactly how many they were, um, but there was a lot. Uh, There was, of course, the Main Street Electrical Parade, the second coming of the Love Bug Parade, (laughs) America on Parade, Poo for President, which, by the way, that's (laughs) adorable, okay? I've seen images from when Pooh was campaigning to be a president, yeah. and that is, I mean, it looked like come fun. on now. I would vote for Pooh. It was in 76, wasn't it? Wasn't that during the bicentennial? Yes, it was. Uh, I would have voted for him if I was alive. <laughs> I, I will do a write-in vote now. Yeah. <laughs> we would be really well off with Pooh as president. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> We're not trying to get political here. I'm just saying. It was just a comment. <laughs> Uh, Main Street Electrical (laughs) Parade came back in its second version, as a matter of fact. It came back as Main Street Electrical Parade 2.0. We had the Very Merry Christmas Parade, Festival Japan Parade, the Festival Mexico Parade, Mickey's 50th Birthday Parade, and the Dumbo Circus Parade, all in the 70s. 
Uh, it seems that a lot of the parades that we got in the 70s really became the basis for a lot of what would come later on. And they were, I think they were really the inspiration for some of our favorites now, sure. I think. Yeah. I, I think the, um, obviously the highlight of that decade is the Main Street Electrical Parade. And right, Dumbo I don't, Circus Parade. I don't think it can be, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't think it can be understated or overstated how important the Main Street Electrical Parade is, not just to the parade success at Disneyland, but to the just overall cultural success of Disneyland, because that is one of the most iconic things that has ever been at the park, including like the castle and the other iconic attractions. Like the Main Street Electrical Parade is part of the fabric of the park, I believe. And I knew about it before I went to the park for the very first time in 1984 when I was six. I knew that we were going to be going to see the Main Street Electrical Parade. Like, that's how wow. iconic it was, because if you were going to Disneyland, that was one of their selling points. Like, everybody knew that, that you had to see the Main Street Electrical Parade. Like, it was a must-see. So, I, to me, like, I feel like that's when they really kind of kick it into another gear, so to speak, and the parades kind of blossom from the 70s on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you know... Uh, about the parade because like you you had some kind of connection to Walt Disney World or because uh, you just like you just kept hearing about it on TV or really where did that come from? Um, I believe that we had commercials on TV um, advertising it. Uh, I grew up in Utah for the listeners that don't know, and uh, you know my mom wanted us to go on a family trip. As soon as my little brother was old enough to kind of, you know, be a little more manageable than like a newborn. Uh, so once he was <laughs> toddling around, uh, we finally got to go. And, and I and I know that she was aware of it and began speaking of it when I was very young. That was one of the things that she definitely wanted to do when she got there. And she had never been before. Uh, neither of my parents had. Um, so I believe it was just marketing of the day had you know filtered through the rest of the country uh you know walt disney world was still fairly young at that point um uh epcot had just opened so you know we got all of our disney info from the west coast uh so i i I can't say in particular but i do know i have a clear recollection that i was familiar with the Main Street Electrical Parade was going to be a thing that we were going to be doing on my very first trip. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, the reason I was asking was because you mentioned it was in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And technically, uh, MSCP was already at Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom in 77. So that's why I was asking, you know, how you Maybe. knew about And I don't it, so. know if we saw it during that trip. I know at some point in time we saw it. Um I don't know if we saw it in that trip or not, because like you said, you think it's in Disney World at that point. So we didn't go to Disney World until 89. So maybe that's where we saw it eventually. Interesting. But I I was aware of it. So I I just I pointed out because I feel like it's something that doesn't exist anymore. That is as iconic as anything that has ever been at the park. Yeah, 
I remember talking about the history of the Main Street Electrical Parade. Mm-hmm. It was way back in episode 137. Yeah, it was a good episode. So if you guys... Yeah, if you guys haven't had a chance to listen, I'll link it in the blog post for the episode. It, it was, a, like you said, it was a really fun episode. I ended up learning a lot about that parade. And I remember talking about how, uh, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, even to you guys, that I, I don't have this connection to Main Street Electrical Parade that many people tend to have because I never saw it at Disneyland. You know, I think part of the magic is watching it go down Main Street, seeing it with the castle, but I never got that. You know, I had a chance to see the Main Street Electrical Parade when it came back to California Adventure. Same. You know, when it came back for its second run here. Well, I guess technically third run by then. But so really, my nighttime parade, you know, we'll talk about it later, is Paint the Night. Because it was my (laughs) first nighttime parade. You guys are such Paint the Night nerds. (laughs) <laughs> no, I am. I am. I know. It. I love it. You know, it's but a lot of it also is is technology wise. And, and I mean, there's so many other things that are absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, and I know we're not going to talk about, you know, stuff at other parks, but we'll talk about those in another episode. Cool. Um, Where was I? 70s? Yeah, you, you 80s? Wrapped up the 70s. Wrapped up the 70s. OK. Yes. And, and yes, we established that the Dumbo Circus Parade was the best thing that happened. Um, <laughs> uh, in the 80s, we roughly saw 19 parade iterations, including Whoa. some that ran into the 90s. Plus, in the late 80s is also when we began to see the general character cavalcades that we see now, um, similar to what we see on the anniversary of the opening of Disneyland, Mickey's birthday. It's, it's the ones where all the characters come out and they march around mm-hmm. together. If you haven't seen one, I'll post the one that we did for Mickey's birthday last year in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 260. It's on the YouTube channel. So take a look at that if you have never seen a character cavalcade before. They're pretty fun. Um, But yeah, so in the 80s, we ended up getting the 25th anniversary parade, Fantasy on Parade in its second version, the Family Reunion Parade. (laughs) Yeah, it was basically the 25th anniversary parade, but without the references to the 25th anniversary. It was really weird. Wow. Uh, Then we had the It's a Small World parade, Flights of Fantasy, Donald Duck's 50th birthday parade, the Amazing Gazette parade, Disneyland 30th anniversary parade, Disney Family Cavalcade, the Totally Mini Parade, Circus on Parade, Snow White Golden Anniversary Parade, and then, like, from 87 on, we had, like, 287,000 character cavalcades, so I'm not even going to include those. Uh, Then we had the Main (laughs) Street USA Parade, the Come to the Fair Parade, which was super odd to me because, I mean, why do you want to bring people to a county fair if you're trying to bring them to Disneyland? Yeah. You know, that's one of the oddest choices for a parade theme, but if it worked, it worked. I've just, I mean, it's just weird. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Then we had the second version of the Very Merry Christmas Parade. We had the Blast to the Past Parade, which uh, a lot of people still talk about today. It was the the one that went back to the 1950s, and it was like a retro theme and stuff. Hmm. I I thought it was pretty cool. It was cool. Um, The Main Street Hop, 
Mickey's 60th birthday parade, and then uh, another Mickey's 60th birthday bash parade that same year. (laughs) Um, And then we had Hooray for Disney Stars Parade. And that's the one that had a lot of the Disney afternoon characters. Like it had DuckTales and Gummy Bears and Tailspin and Rescue Rangers and all that stuff. Um, I thought it was super (laughs) cool. I like that one. Uh, In the 90s, we saw 12 more parades make their way down Main Street. Those were the Party Gras Parade, (laughs) the Celebration USA Parade, the Disney Afternoon Parade, now actually named accordingly, the World According to Goofy Parade. What? Yeah, dude, it was for Goofy's 50th birthday. Wow. Wow. Uh, Aladdin's Royal Caravan. The Lion King Celebration yes. Parade, which I think is in a lot of people's minds as one of the best parades ever produced yeah. by the Disney company, as far as daytime parades are concerned. Yep. I'll try to find a video of it on YouTube, um, but if I can find one, I will also post it in the blog post for the episode, because this is a fantastic parade. It is absolutely one of my favorite parades, and I'm not a huge Lion King fan either. I like it all good and everything, but I mean, of that time frame of movies the lion king was not like at the top of my list but it was fantastic <laughs> i'm just gonna say that nice. <laughs> uh then we had the christmas fantasy parade which started in 94 and it's pretty much what we see now with just a few tweaks here and there we also had the hunchback of notre dame topsy-turvy cavalcade we had cruising nice. the kingdom um, then we had the Hercules Victory Parade. What? Uh, wow. And then we had the infamous Light Magic in 1997. I'll talk about that a little bit more shortly. Then we had a Mulan Parade, not to be confused with the Mulan uh, Parade wow. that's happening at California Adventure. Yeah. Um, so uh, should I talk about Light Magic now or should I jump into the 2000s to wrap it up before we talk about Light well, Magic? How do you want to do this? Let, let me just um, provide a little uh, Lion King parade memory that I have. So Ooh. my family and I visited the park a couple times in the 80s and a couple times in the 90s. And this was the foundation of my love for the parks. And we went in the spring of 1995. So at that point, the Lion King parade was still running. But most notably that summer uh, or that spring was when the Indiana Jones Adventure opened. And back then, line management was a very different beast at the park than it is today. They've gotten a lot more efficient with their cues. So (laughs) my memory was being in that line with my dad for something like three and a half hours Uh, And the line actually extended all the way out of Adventureland into the hub and partway down Main Street. So we were right around Coke (laughs) Corner when we got in line. And we happened to just be in line for Indiana Jones when the Lion King parade came by, which many people who have listened to the show know that's the movie that I saw more times than any other movie in the theater. I saw it a grand total of 18 times because I was obsessed. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it was so cool to just be there in line for a ride based on my all-time favorite movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, watching Lion King come down the street. It was like this perfect, magical like <laughs> mixture of fandom that happened in that moment. So for me, like... 
the Lion King parade has my most profound parade memory in the parks. That's cool, yeah. man. Ironically enough, Coke Corner is where the line to Galaxy's Edge is going to extend to when it officially opens. <laughs> I will not be surprised. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, that's a cool memory, dude. Uh, I, I knew that the lines were bad. I didn't realize that they were actually bleeding them into Main Street. Yeah. I thought they were kind of guiding them into Frontierland. They may have tried different iterations along the way. We were there like a month and a half after it officially opened. So it was pretty early in, in the going. And it was like, those were the days where when school let out, like the crowds came to the park, like they didn't have the mm-hmm. same blackout calendar that they have today. And it, a lot of it was based on the school year. So yeah, they did things a lot differently 30 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. I like that, dude. That, that's a cool memory. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into the 2000s. Uh, in the 2000s, uh, we saw many of the parades that we're familiar with today. We saw the 45 Years of Magic Parade. Then we had uh, a bunch of different versions of the Rainy Day Cavalcades, which I thought was cool because on rainy days, obviously, you're not going to have a full parade. But that was kind of the beginning of them doing, you know, the the omnibus and other versions of the Rainy Day Cavalcades, which I thought was really nice. It's adorable. (laughs) Yeah, I like it a lot. Then we had Parade of the Stars. Uh, We had Mickey's Shining Star Cavalcade. We had Sleeping Beauty's Royal Celebration. We had Mickey's Magic Kingdom Celebration, which was very similar to the Shining Star Cavalcade for some reason. Uh, Then we had the 50th Anniversary Parade of Dreams. And this is the one that I just remember vividly watching because this is when we started really going Ah. to the park. Uh, because it was really at the point where I was finally old enough to kind of buy my own ticket. I had a job. I can go with my friends. And we were driving, you know. So this was really kind of like my opening into into that. Uh, then, of course, we had the Year of a Million Dreams Grand Marshal Cavalcade where people would just win the opportunity to be a part of the parade. So cool. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Uh, so I cool. know AJ has talked about being part of that parade, which I Ooh, thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was also one of the coolest parades. That entire campaign, uh, I think, uh, was was just something that they should bring back. I'm just saying. And they should let yeah. me stay in the Dream Suite and then eat at Club 33 and then 1901. I'm just saying, if they want to. But, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to push them into anything. But if they really wanted to, I think that would be really cool. Uh, with like 12 of my friends. So you guys are invited. Um, then we had Celebrate! A street party. And then we had Mickey's Sensational Parade, uh, yes. the Paint the Night Parade, and Yay. the Pixar Play Parade. <laughs> and so that kind of brings us to the present. Um, of course, a lot of these parades, um, you know, just kind of ended because they weren't successful. They ran their course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, again, a lot of them were just for promotional purposes. Light Magic holds this really weird spot in Disney history as really possibly the worst parade really? ever created by Disney to many people. Hmm. Um, 
it was supposed to be the successor to the Main Street Electrical Parade. Okay. Ah. There was a lot of infrastructure improvements that were made around the park. A lot of the light posts that you see at It's a Small World and some of the new walkways and everything were all part of the infrastructure changes that were made for Light Magic. But the biggest problem that it had, though, was that unlike a parade, it just kind of stopped. So it was more of a stage show mm. than it was an actual oh. parade. So during the running of the show, they had all sorts of problems with the lights and the projections. And uh, more importantly, people just didn't like it. You know, they were watching it and they didn't like the idea that these floats were coming by and just stopping. And then to make matters worse, um, there was this whole problem as far as... Uh, annual pass holders were concerned because at, at Disney was charging people $25 to come see the debut of this brand new parade. But people were angry because technically they were seeing a dress rehearsal and not the grand opening. Mm. And they were angry because they they were charged $25 for it. So people were at City Hall trying to get their money back. And they're like, you don't even have the kinks out. You know, how dare you charge us for this? And so there was a lot of problems out the bat. And I think that may have soured people to the experience of light magic. But I mean, it felt like it should have succeeded on many levels because it was Celtic influenced Ooh. and the songs were uh, dream our dream, little April shower from Bambi, be our guest from beauty and the beast, the topsy turvy song, step in time. When you wish upon a star, a dream is a wish your heart makes a part of your world, beauty and the beast. And finally Baroque hoedown as, as a tribute to the Main Street Electrical mm. Parade. I mean, on all levels, the fiber optics and everything that were embedded in the floats, but the fanfare was just mm. meh. You know, people just didn't enjoy it. Under different circumstances, I think this parade would have been much more successful than it was. Yeah. You know, yeah, but definitely. it does hold the distinct honor of being the worst Disney parade of all time. Wow. You know, so I think that's very unfortunate. That's crazy because in the 50s, those costume characters were absolutely horrifying. Dude, <laughs> those are things of nightmares. <laughs> well, not just that. I mean, I would have given that vote to celebrate a street party because huh. did I really need to see Geppetto dancing to yes. Ricky Martin? Uh, yes. Who doesn't? Come on no. now. <laughs> no, him and Mary Poppins. I'm like, what living is La Vida this? Loca. No. <laughs> Do you think, though, that, that, what is it called? Light magic? Is that what it was called? Light magic, yeah. Do you think yeah. the, the unsuccessful nature of that was why they waited almost two decades to come out with Paint the Night as a third successor? I don't know. That's a great question. But, I mean, Paint the Night really, it, it didn't debut here. It debuted in Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, it started, yeah, yeah. It was actually a parade that debuted in Hong Kong, and it was so successful after debuting there that for the 60th anniversary, they debuted it here at Disneyland oh. because they wanted a brand new nighttime parade. And it was so vivid and it fit the diamond theme that was happening that it was easier to bring that parade than to try to gussy up the drab Main Street Electrical Parade. Right. Because the technology behind each one is night and day, right? You're using oh, yeah. old types of bulbs versus new LEDs that illuminate much brighter and a lot more colorful. 
So the nostalgic value of the Main Street Electrical Parade is certainly there, and I think it offers a lot of value as far as bringing people into the park and offering that warm, fuzzy feeling whenever people get a chance to watch it. But the way that Disneyland wanted to celebrate the 60th anniversary, uh, Paint the Night was, I think, one of the most perfect additions to what they did for the 60th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of parades in a nutshell, like <laughs> if you can call it that. Um, tips for watching parades. It really depends on the parade that you're watching, because yeah. I think certain parades have better scenes uh, in, in different areas. So depending on where the float tends to stop a little bit more is really where you would want to sit. Uh, some of the parades that are currently going on right now, um, like Soundsational, for instance, um, you can't really have a bad seat for Soundsational because regardless of where you are, uh, it's it's a gorgeous parade with the new Mickey. Oh, I don't think that's going to be a part of it anymore. That may have just been for the celebration that they were having. But either yeah. way, you got the Mary Poppins float at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a gorgeous float all around. As far as seating is concerned, you know, for a long time, people were able to camp out with 27 blankets trying to hold it for a bunch of family members. Uh, That changed not too long ago. You can't really sit down and wait for a parade unless it's two hours before the start time. And if you happen to be camping out before that, you may be asked by a cast member to move, uh, maybe stand up or maybe just move away, you know, while they're trying to set up the ropes and stuff. But yeah, there there's so many places where you can watch it. I will say that just like the fireworks shows, if you're able to sit in a really comfy spot like Plaza Inn, for instance, try to sit on the edges where you might be able to enjoy a meal and still see the parade, still enjoy it. It's not a complete visual, but you get a lot of the floats. Uh, a fantastic place to view it if you don't have reservations is right along the hub, especially if you're into pictures, because uh, if you're on the Tomorrowland side, you can get the floats and you can get Sleeping Beauty Castle in the background. If you like the the whole Main Street aesthetic to it, maybe right in front of uh, Town Square where the flagpole is. Uh, right before the floats turn is a fantastic place to to see the floats. You get the front visual of anyone marching down. You get the floats and you get the castle in the background with the depth perception of Main Street, which I think is a super cool photo to have. And yeah, I mean, just try sitting in different locations is is one thing I would suggest to you. They're kind of like the fireworks, right? I think there's specific places where you might be comfortable. Uh, right. But a really great place to watch it if you don't want to be somewhere where it's like super packed. It's a small world mall. Mm-hmm. It's usually pretty vacant over there. And you get the, the wonderfulness of it's a small world in the background. For the most part, if one of the parades is only going to be running once for the day, it's going to come out from the side, from the right side of It's a Small World, and it's going to end in Main Street right next to the hat shop. So if you really want to see the parade at its actual start time, I would sit by It's a Small World. Remember that if you are deeper into Main Street and it happens to be coming from It's a Small World, there's approximately a 10-minute delay from the time that it actually starts to the time that you're actually going to see it. So, you know, you might want to be patient. So try to plan accordingly. 
go to the bathroom, grab a corn dog, grab a churro, grab a turkey leg. I don't know what you're into. I mean, just grab something <laughs> to just munch on. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you like hot dogs or chicken from Plaza Inn. I don't know. I'm hungry now. Can you tell? Uh, I'm going uh, mm-hmm. mint chocolate chip in a waffle cone from Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor. Oh, gosh. Just carry and eat. It's churro. At this point, I might do <laughs> the citrus <laughs> Dole Whip. Ooh, yes. Citrus <laughs> Dole like Whip. That. I like that. Yeah. Very good. You know, it's interesting because uh, this actually kind of got me excited about parades, which I'm typically not, as you know. Uh, but you actually, there was a couple things that um, I think may have been missed. I'm not sure. Did you mention the Halloween, the Mickey's Halloween party parade? Oh, I didn't mention Mickey's Halloween party. Okay, that one is awesome. And it's one of the only ones that I always make a point to see when I'm there. It's really short, but it's packed with so much greatness. There's really yes. cool floats. Really cool um, people performing on the street level, like especially all the grave diggers with their shovels and they they yeah. scrape their shovels along the pavement and create sparks. Um, it's got yeah. one of the coolest pre-shows with the Headless Horseman coming down Main Street, which mm-hmm. is freaking awesome. Um, so yeah, that to me is probably my favorite parade just because I'm... I'm so into Halloween. Um, But also there is a magical element uh, about parades, which I'd like to mention. Um, Many people don't know this because they're busy watching the parade, but um, every parade has the ability to perform a magic trick. And it's a really great trick, which I love. And what that trick is, is that it makes (laughs) the cue for many attractions disappear and I it's funny i'm glad you mentioned that. it because <laughs> it was gonna be in my tips and i thought i'm pretty sure gavin's gonna bring this up because it's the yep. one thing that he looks forward of to as course. soon as the parade starts if you ever want a three minute cue for pirates of the caribbean go during the parade if you ever want a really short wait for <clears throat> matterhorn bobsleds go during the parade I'm telling you guys. If you ever want a 64-minute wait for Peter Pan, (laughs) you got there after rope drop. (laughs) It's so true. But if Paint the Night were to ever come back, get a spot. Yep. Yeah. And just watch it. I want it back. (laughs) I'm sure that Paint the Night will come back, but I'm also certain that if it comes back, it's also going to come back to California Adventure. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the cool things too is, that I like doing when I watch the parades is really looking at the floats and their construction and especially when they have characters on them. I always like yeah. seeing how the characters are are on the float, how they're harnessed there for safety, you know, what kind of movement they're allowed and what kind of movement the float is able to achieve. They really do spectacular things. You know, it's not like your standard float that's going down, you know, a street in a city like Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day Parade or your local whatever, St. Patrick's Day Parade. Like usually those are just Mm -hmm. floats with lots of like glitter and sequins and streamers and stuff, right? Disney floats have movement and have lighting effects Mm -hmm. and have... 
you know, uh, screen technologies and all kinds of effects going on. And I really love looking at the floats and just kind of dissecting them, you know, from an engineering standpoint. And it's really cool to see, you know, something like Tinkerbell and paint the night, like watching how she's attached to that thing and and all the lights behind her. Really fascinating. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Parades, like you said, like your local city parade, when you're watching like a local Christmas parade or something, it's generally a bunch of cars. There's a couple of, you know, floats that are created where like Boy Scouts or something right. are sitting in. You know, I've, I've been a part of those before and they're super fun, especially because they're your local town. Mm-hmm. Right. But every float that Disney produces is essentially its own stage show. Yeah. You know, it's a mini stage show that's part of this larger show that they're putting on as it's rolling by you. It's so well-timed. It's so well-choreographed. They're so well-built. And there are a lot of safety features uh, embedded into them. Last year, uh, during one of the Christmas parades, there was an incident where Santa uh, had a, a bit of an accident in the sleigh. And it was the safety harnesses that you know, helped him stay on the float and and not anything else happened. So Disney pays really close attention to Mm -hmm. all of that. And I think also with the fact that, you know, there was the incident at Walt Disney World with Maleficent when, you know, with the fire and everything, (laughs) I think that especially has also helped them step up the safety procedures as far as how cast members handle certain things like that, the safety mechanisms that will make sure that things like that don't happen again how they can keep guests safe in the parks because overall guest safety and guest enjoyment are the two top things that disney is always striving for and so they're always going to be upping their game when it comes to that type of stuff yeah yeah man i can't believe i forgot the the halloween parade (laughs) it's okay it's an easy one to miss because it's only there for a short time but yeah, and if you're not part, if you don't buy the ticket, yeah. you don't see it. I'm going to throw that in the blog post for the episode, too, because I did put it on the YouTube mm-hmm. channel when we had a chance to yeah, watch it. I remember that. And it's a super fun parade. So it I'll, I'll put that, that in the haunted mansion too. float, dude. It's so cool. I know. <laughs> I know. I love and it. You get the mayor so in his little car. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And his face turns around and he's angry. He's happy. Yeah. He's angry. He's happy. Uh, I love <laughs> that parade. All right. Well, and anything else or any other comments before we wrap up today's episode? No. I don't think so, man. I just I kind of want to go to the park and watch a parade. You sold <laughs> me, man. Is it because you want to hear these notes right here? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it wait, what is the parade that's happening right now? Is it sensational? Sound It's sensational, okay. yeah. I, I like that parade. It's I think it's aesthetically adorable. it's one of the prettiest parades they've ever created. Mm-hmm, yeah. I like it because it, it almost feels like, like especially if it's traveling north and ending at Small World, it feels like those pieces kind of belong in Small World almost, you know? So, like, yeah. I, I kind of like yeah. that. Have you guys ever followed the parade at the end? Yeah. Yes. I, not that one, but <laughs> I, I followed uh, the Pixar Play Parade with Mater at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun yeah. following the parade and just waving at everybody as you're walking by. Uh, if you have kids and you've never had the opportunity to do that, I would say wait until the end and just jump behind the rope and just walk with the parade. 
it gives the kids just this feeling that they're a part of it. And you just feel much more connected to it. And I just think it's super fun. Super tiring when you watch the entire parade route. But super fun. Conversely, if you show up right before the parade starts and you happen to head down the road, the center of the road, and everybody's looking at you, it gets real awkward. (laughs) But that's only if you don't dance or do something entertaining. Well, that's true. But I... I'm if, no I dancer. Ever am, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm usually dancing or doing something entertaining. <laughs> okay, I'll have to do it with you next time. We okay. shall. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, remember that this episode of Podcateers, like all others, are brought to you by the generosity of an awesome group of people that we like to call our podcast fairy godparents, but they call themselves the FGP Squad via their contributions on Patreon. If you would like a little bit more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad, you can head over to podcateers.com FGP. This week, the, the launch of this episode... Uh, by the end of this week is technically the anniversary of Podcateers. But we're going to be celebrating that next week. So prepare for that. We're going to have maybe a giveaway or something. I don't know. Something's coming. (laughs) Just wait. But more importantly, we're going to start giving back to the FGP squad for all of their help and all of their support. Uh, So if you're part of the FGP squad, you're going to be entered into a random drawing just from being a part of it. So we're going to connect with all of you via Patreon and more information will be coming very soon. Uh, We're going to be giving out some shirts Uh, over the course of the year. We're going to be giving out other swag it's going to be fun. That's the most important part. Uh, again, if you want to be a part of the FGP squad, you can get more information by going to podcateers.com slash FGP. And to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send out a huge thank you to all of you. Uh, if you cannot join the FGP squad, but you still want to help out the podcast, you can do it in a really simple way. The next time you need to buy something on Amazon, make sure to start that purchase by going to podcateers.com slash Amazon and clicking on the huge Amazon button that you see on that page. It'll take you over to Amazon using our special referral link and anything that you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon because you went through our link and we mentioned them on this podcast. What up, Amazon? Uh, to everyone that's taking a few extra seconds to go through our link we also want to send a huge thank you to all of you as well and that is going to wrap it up for this week i'm looking forward to watching my next parade i may go and listen to the paint the night soundtrack because it's so awesome because now after hearing those few notes i'm like i gotta hear the whole thing (laughs) whole thing all the parades who is it owl city that does the the song yeah okay cool all right that's gonna wrap it up for this week so until next time keep dreaming keep moving forward and always remember to pass on the magic have a great week everyone bye major look